Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The Bulls season is in the books, but the NBA playoffs continue with round one going on in both conferences. We'll talk about the NBA playoffs a little bit later in the show. But first, we're going to get into the Bulls season, how it closed out and what lies ahead for AK in the front office as they try to build a team that can advance into the playoffs next season. If you're watching on YouTube today, you can see that our running mate, uh, Timmy, is not here. Timmy Whispers is uh, doing a trade show downtown Chicago, I believe, right? He's in the city. Yeah, he's in the city trying to make some money. Trying to save his business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said he's trying to save his business. <laughs> nah, t- hey, no, he's all right. He's doing really quite well. He's yeah. Quite well. yeah, he's doing. Re- hey, he's about ready to sell his company, man. We should bring the uh, the hot the hot sauce so dispenser in here instead, yeah. instead of whispers. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hey, and move that up a little bit over here. Make that be the uh, display. Hey, uh, the chat already. Somebody asked, uh, "Is the hot sauce in Jewel yet?" It's coming, baby. It's yeah. coming right now. We uh, we should be there in the next couple of weeks. That's cool. Yeah, That's we got we got right now. We're we're all the displays are are done. So all we got to do is just find someone to go set them up. Since you know, whispers, yeah, Jewel Jewel <laughs> Jewel doesn't have the person to do it, so we have to hire someone to go set up like. You know, 250. Yeah, that's a lot uh, yeah, of work. A lot. And you ain't going to see me out there doing this. <laughs> I can just picture <laughs> no, Stacy setting no, up a display no, in man. the jewel store. You ain't going to see your boy out there, America. I ain't going to be out there. So I might set up one or two, yeah. but not no 250, 300. Hell, hell to the no. Sounds like a job for Timmy Kelly. I'll uh, tell you Tim what. Tim Kelly, baby. He's the, <laughs> the hot sauce, sauce packer. packer. <laughs> so, Stacy, what have you been doing with your free time? Now, the bowl season is over. We thought they might get that win over Miami and have a first oh. round series with Milwaukee and and for, you know, halfway through the fourth quarter it looked like they're going to beat the Heat. Well, you know what, Mark? Same thing happens all year long when they lose games. I know. You know, they're winning, they're doing playing the game the right way, they're moving the basketball, doing all the things that's going to get you a win. And you think they're going to come home with that win, finish the finish line. 15-1 run to oh, close the man. game. Oh man, at the end the defense let them down yeah. and bad shots turned the ball over. Right. The thing that's been pretty much hampering them all season long. Uh, and this happens during a time where you don't need that. You know, you don't need that. And uh, that killed them. It yeah. killed them. I mean, you, you're, you're playing a team that has no size, you know, and the Bulls continue to take 
really difficult shots. Zach came down one time and, you know, fired up a, a ill-advised three, which they didn't get a rebound, and then they go and score. I think the Bulls were up five at the time. You know, you just got to, you know, again, you know, have to recognize what's going on in the game. You know, what 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 part of the game is it? You know, fourth quarter, we got to be, you know, you got to get to the point where you're playing very smart basketball, you know, because this is not an 82 game now. This is a game trying to get to the playoffs. You're one game away. You did a great job in Toronto winning the game that no one thought you were going to win. Um, you went in and got that game. And now you got all the momentum coming in. Miami loses their first game. So you jumped out on them. You know, you started playing really well and they just kind of got away from it. Yeah. And the Bulls didn't waste any time doing their end of the season news conferences. They lose on Friday night, fly back to Chicago Saturday. Everybody's lined up and, and they're ready to go to off to their various vacation sites but everybody talked to the media afterwards most Bulls fans were interested in what the general manager Arturis Karnischewicz had to say and and you know his first comment was that you know we have to change our shooting profile last in the league in three-point attempts and three-point makes and you know that's not the only reason why the Bulls struggle at times but I'm sure that that's going to be one of the main priorities in the offseason is bringing in some more three-point shooting well, I mean, you've got to get a facilitator that can get the ball to shooters. You know, Zach is one of the best catch-and-shoot shooters in the game. His stats prove that. You know, he's almost at 50% on catch-and-shoot. They have to run plays to get him those kind of shots. I mean, if that's if that's what he does really well, because, you know, yeah, we know he can get to the basket. That's awesome. But you run him off some single-double catch-and-shoot type of situations and allow him to make some shots. Spread out the defense. Force traps. You know, get the ball inside to Vooch. Let Vooch be, you know, a, a facilitator. If he's got one, one-on-one one matchup, he should kill it because Vooch has some of the best, you know, back-to-the-basket moves in the NBA but he spends way too much time on the perimeter. I mean, it's almost like he's a small forward, and that takes away any kind of double team. It takes away any kind of momentum that they have, especially when they go. You saw it in Miami. They went through a stretch, like three, four-minute stretch in that fourth quarter where they couldn't score. Yeah. And that's when you say Vooch. That's when you, if you're Billy Donovan, you say, okay, look, we done came down and jacked up about four or five shots, empty possessions. Vooch, I need you in the paint. We're going to run through you. Go kill Bam Adebayo. Kill him. He can't stop you. Can't stop because Bam wasn't really playing well. He had like 17 rebounds, but offensively he wasn't really doing anything. And he hasn't really done anything against the Bulls this season um, in the regular season against them. So get inside. Let's get us some buckets. Go one-on-one with Bam out of bio. Now, when you start to kill him or the switches, you know, now you you take advantage of the switches. If you saw the Atlanta series against uh, Miami, the one thing they did is pound them inside. You know, uh, John Collins and, you know, Clint Capella. Capella. What yeah. they did and the Bulls didn't do is whenever they had a matchup in the, in the post and you had a guard like Struess or if you had, you know, Gabe on them or if you had, you know, Tyler Hero on the big person and they were fronting. Miami likes to front the post. So what Atlanta did was run the big man up to the elbow, open area, and then drop high-low to him. The Bulls never recognized that. There was never any high-low action where they could get the ball from the top and then dump it over the top to, to Vooch. All the perimeter players just kind of stood around, and that element was taken away, which really plays into the hands of Miami on the defensive end. Well, look what the Bucks did in Game 2 of their series against the Heat. They started oh. the game by going into Brooke Lopez. Lobs over the top, Whew. easy baskets right at the rim. Let me tell you something, man. I'll take Brooke Lopez any day of the week. <laughs> Uh, I know, seriously. I'm serious, man. This, you know, I mean, the guy plays big. No matter where he's at on the floor. Yeah, he takes threes. But he knows 
when he goes inside and the ball's dished to him, he's a seven footer, 280, 90 pounds. He's going there trying to punish the rim. He's trying to score inside. Does he take threes? Yeah. He, his game has evolved where he can be a viable three point shooter, but where he kills you, he's so big. And you saw it, you know, in uh, game two, they just dominated the, the, the heat. And then what happens, Mark is when you score so easily inside, it opens up three point shooting. They wind up tying an NBA record exactly. for three point shots. Because made. what did Miami do when Brooke Lopez was killing inside or, or they were posting up their guards? They came back into the defense and they they kind of ran a shell. Yeah. And then that ball was moved around the horn so quickly, Miami couldn't recover. And those are wide open Jays. I mean, you know, Drew yeah. Holiday hit a, a few. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton Pat finally Connaughton, got yeah. finally got himself going. Uh, you know, the guy, uh, you know, what the Ingles that looks like Joe he's Ingles. drunk. Looks like, like he's 50 he years day. old, yeah. Hey, Joe Ingles, like he just came out of the bar, man. <laughs> like, I'm open. Nobody knows. He's doing five threes. I am. Yeah, and crazy. he hit five threes. Yeah. I mean, but, the okay, if you're the Bulls, if you're the Bulls, you're seeing these kind of things. You know, Joe Ingles coming off, like, I think, a Achilles or a, a ACL injury. Yeah, he didn't Achilles. Yeah, so he comes back, and, you know, people were just giving the right off because he was already slow. So they figure, well, man, he, you know, no Achilles is going to be a lot slower than he was. Yeah. But the man can shoot. And there's a lot of shooters out there. You just have to be able to get them, you know, where it's affordable. You know, where you know you people are talking about Duncan Robinson. Yeah, Duncan Robinson is a great three point shooter. But do you want to be having that ninety to hundred million dollar contract on your books? No, no, thank you. <laughs> nah, nah. I'm over there talking to Kyle Corver right now. I'm like, Kyle, <laughs> yeah. you know, come on out, brother. Come on, eight million, yeah. eight million, baby. I need you to <laughs> knock down some threes. The original hot sauce man. Well, we put up a quote earlier about DeMar DeRozan, and he was a little bit defiant in his session with reporters, you know, saying he's going to shoot more threes next year. And he conceded that as I get older, my game has to evolve. But he says, you know, only 36 people have scored more points than me in NBA history. So I'm good with the way I play. Stacey, this is just my opinion. I think either Zach or DeMar is going to get traded because they don't have any other real, real assets to try to get some of those draft picks back and maybe to get a legitimate power forward so you can move Pat Williams to the three. Well, you know what? I mean, that's that's a you know legitimate you know statement. But listening to AK and what he was talking yeah. about, reading between the lines, it's like he's bringing everybody back. I hope you know, not. especially the core group of guys. You know, because you got to remember, you know, Vooch is a free agent this summer. Yep. Demar has one more year on his contract. You know, Zach just got paid, and then you got to pay Kobe White. You know, mm-hmm. so the Bulls are, you know, they're if they keep all these guys, you're looking at them going into the luxury tax just with know? their own guys, with their own guys, without exactly. anybody. Yeah, yeah. so. You have to ask yourself if you're AK and those guys, that's why they get paid the big bucks. You know, realistically, you know, if we come back with the same roster and not have Lonzo back and because it looks like Lonzo's going to probably be out a long, long time, yeah. even next year. He might be sit out next year for the whole season. We don't know that. But he's having a procedure that really no one has ever done before. You know, so uh, we don't know what his status is. So, you know, you got to ask yourself, like, you know, how do we get this team, if we come back with everybody, you know, what do we do? I mean, the offense is just ISO. You know, it's been proven isolation works against bad teams. It doesn't work against good teams in the playoffs. You've got to have ball movement. When the Bulls move the ball and they have 25 assists or more, they pretty much are going to win the game. Mm-hmm. It's it's not rocket science. It's just, it's just move the basketball, you know, and guys have to make sacrifices in their game. You know, everybody talks about winning. Oh, I want to win. I want to win. But the question is, do you really want to win? Because if you really want to win, that means instead of averaging 27 points, you might have to average 24. Instead of averaging 26 points, you're going to have to average 21. 
you know, in order to get guys like Patrick Williams more opportunities, guys like Kobe White more opportunities, uh, Vooch getting him more opportunities, focus on the defensive end, focus on being able to stop your man. Because I tell you what, Mark, I, I'm, I've i been saying this from day one. I hate the NBA defense right now. All this switching, it's mismatches every night, and guys see it every single night so they know how to attack it. That's why you see so many threes because they're switching bigs on smaller players and they're getting wide open looks. They well, can't keep move their feet to stay in front of these guys. Well, what happens is is that you got to help the big guy because the guard breaks the big man down at the top of the yeah. circle because the big guy can't move his feet. Now, guys like Bam and Giannis can move their feet, so you don't have to help out as much. But you know, you get guys like Vooch who gets beat off the dribble. Like, I mean almost every play now your defense is scrap you know scrapping up trying to stop the dribble penetration then what happens is it's like the ball's kicked to the corner now guys are scrambling who goes out is it yeah. me that goes out or do I take the role man guys have to know their assignments like if, if I'm the guy who stops the, the the leakage the cut to the basket then that means I gotta leave my man in the corner I gotta leave a Grayson Allen or Connaughton in the corner to stop that drive you know that drive down there by you know Brooke Lopez or Giannis and that means someone's got to rotate out to my guy a lot of times the bulls get so confused on who they're covering because every single time down the floor they're totally guarding someone different every single time they never actually stay on their man you know when we when we talk about i hate to be that guy we're you know get off my lawn but i am that guy america <laughs> get off my lawn okay old school defense where you got to guard your guy stay on your man so you, when you're breaking back defensively you know You've got to get up, pick up your man. If your guard, the guard's bringing down the floor, get up and play him full court, like a Javon Carter for for Milwaukee. He comes in, turns the the tempo up. He's picking up full court. He's forcing the defense to utilize some clock, taking away some options. Bulls got to do that a little bit more. They got to have more fast break opportunities. And again, you know, an offense that that will predicate you know, outside shooting where guys can get their feet set and, and square up and shoot the basketball. When you see our guys getting three-point shots, they're taking guarded three-point shots. They're taking, you know, shots off the bounce where they're dribbling and they're forcing up shots. Those are not good three-point shots. And that's why you see in that, I think it's Miami series, we were eight for 28. That's been pretty much how we've shot the ball all year long because our shot selection at the three-point line is not really good. Yeah, you're talking about AK's press conference and he showered praise on Nikola Vucevic saying that, you know, he played really well this year. He's definitely a guy they want to re-sign. But when Vuce went to the podium to answer questions, he was a little more guarded. He said, yeah, Chicago will get priority, but I'm going to look around to see what's out there. Do you think the Bulls will be able to find a price point they're comfortable with to bring Vucevic back? Or at this point, with trading all they did to Orlando to get him, they almost have to bring him back. Mark, that's a, that's a good question um, because you got to remember, you know, Vooch is like 34 years old and he's at a point right now in his career. This is his last big contract. Mm -hmm. So that's what he's looking for. Uh, he played all 82 games this year. Um, you know, he's a double double machine. So on paper, if you're a team looking at, you know, Vooch. And you just go by stats. You just go by him playing 82 games and him having a double-double every single night. A team will get fooled by that. You know, oh, this guy's, you know, every night a double-double. Not, no, not too many big guys are doing that in this league. And he's able to shoot basketball. Uh, but if you read between the lines, you have to look at, okay, he's 34. He's not a good defensive player. Um, he doesn't rim protect at the center position. 
And unless you got someone behind him that is a rim protector, you know, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get what you're paying for. Um, and then if he doesn't go inside and post up, he should be posting up 70 to 85% of the time. He should have his back to the basket. Cause I'm going to say this and I'm being honest with you. There's not too many big guys other than Embiid and Jokic that can do back-to-the-basket moves right. like Vucevic. He has got great footwork. He can go over the left shoulder, the right shoulder. When he goes down and tries to score, there's not too many people can guard him. Like they, You don't see him getting his shot blocked. I mean, he's backing people down and scoring on them. That's where if you're Billy Donovan, that's what you're imploring him to do more of. Like you are such, you're such you know, more... Uh, dangerous when you're versatile going inside and outside, not spending more time on the perimeter. That drives me crazy. That drives me crazy, especially when the Bulls are struggling offensively and we need him inside. He's kind of floating around like a three-point shooter or just passing or screening. He needs to be a focal point in the offense. One way or the other, if he comes back here, he needs to be a focal point. Billy Donovan needs to make him a focal point in their offense and not just a, a ball mover or floor spacer. So the big question is going to be, you mentioned it earlier, is he, someone has to run the show to facilitate this entire offense. Kobe White played exceptionally well all season, especially in the second half of the season where he showed that he can run the offense, he can make good decisions with the ball. The questions with Kobe White are, A, can he be your starting point guard in the NBA? And B, what's the price point, again, that you're comfortable with to bring him back? Well, you know what? We're going to find out because, you know, he's a restricted free agent mm -hmm. and someone, you know, there's a lot of people that that love his game. You know, he's a big guard. He, you know, he really made huge strides this year. His ball handling, I've been saying from day one, he's now an elite ball handler. You know, he, he can do anything with the basketball off the bounce, get to where he needs to go, make decisions. You don't see Kobe turning the ball over like you saw his first couple of years in the league. I mean, he was... You know, he's Apple turnover. You know, he was just every time down the floor, you didn't know where the ball was going to go. You know, if he didn't have a direct line to the basket driving, it was going to pretty much be a turnover. He was been, you know, going too fast. This year, the thing I liked about him was that he was in much more control. He spent a whole summer working on his game. We know he could score. You know, we knew that. I think his defense, you know, his defense improved. He went out there and he competed. He should have been playing more. You know, I, I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I understand getting, you know, Patrick Beverly um, on your team and Patrick Beverly did some good things for the Bulls. Uh, I, I feel like Kobe should have been inserted in the starting lineup, you know, before that move with Patrick mm -hmm. Beverly. And then you bring Patrick Beverly off the bench because what really hurts the Bulls is that you have two guys on the floor that are not good shooters. And teams can kind of back off those guys with, you know, AC and Beverly and say, yeah, we'll give you shots all, all day long. Now, I will say this about AC. AC is like five Alex Crusoe's out there. He does so many things defensively that you got to have him out there as a starter. You just got to because he covers for a lot of guys' mistakes. And then in those two playing games, he shot the ball extremely well. He was very aggressive. He knocked down threes in that in that game in Miami. He had like 16 points in that first half. He really was aggressive, confident. In that Toronto series, he was moving without the basketball, finishing at the hoop. 
that's the AC I need to see. I want to see that next year. I want to see him add offense to his game, make teams pay for backing off of him and dare him to shoot. Um, but like I said, Kobe, I, I think, Mark, honestly, he could be your point guard. He's 6'5". He's super quick. He plays defense. He has an understanding of the offense. And I thought, you know, like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. I, I thought when the Bulls pulled him and pulled uh, Drummond out of the game, that's when the game was lost. They, they, they should have left those guys in. Billy should have left those guys in. Um, you know, Drummond was giving you rebounds, second opportunities. He was killing them on the boards, you know. And that's one area where the Bulls were struggling in that in that playoff game was the offensive rebounds or rebounds in general. And so, you know, he gives you really, really an opportunity every time that ball goes up to get a rebound. And Kobe shot the ball well. Kobe was probably, with Zach struggling from the three-point line and with his shot, Kobe gave you a viable option out there. He was draining threes and he was shooting the ball very confidently and they went away from him. All right. So if Kobe White's your starting point guard, then you have to decide what you're going to do behind him. I don't know if you caught the comments by Patrick Beverly on his podcast this week where he said, yeah, I'd like to come back to Chicago, but I need 13 to $15 million. So I'm like, well, I'll drive you to the airport because that ain't happening. You know, I, I threw it out on Twitter. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Why not bring back Derrick Rose? He's got a team option next year Listen. for $15 million. They're going to decline that. He'll be a free agent. You could probably get Derrick Rose for just over the veteran's minimum. He could play along with Kobe White at that point guard. Let, let me tell you this. If if Derrick Rose is out there, Derrick Rose is, you know, this year didn't get to play, so his body's fresh. He's healthy. Yeah. Derrick Rose would be a great pickup for the Bulls just for the simple fact, not just for the fans and, and him coming back home. Derrick Rose can still play. Yes, he he's, can. He's, yeah. He is a very good – he would be a starter on this team. Seriously, he'd be a starter. He would be able to control the pace. He knows how to get guys involved. He has really evolved into a true point guard over the years since he's been hurt. It's a no-brainer. If you can if they if they decline, you know, his option, which they probably will. They will. It's $15 million. Yeah. There's no way so, they can bring him back. So so if he's available, that's something that AK and Mark Eversley is going to have to take a look at because, you know, this is a guy who's not hurt. This is a guy who has been playing injury free for the last three years. Uh, he would come home, you know, basically he would ignite the fan base because everybody here in Chicago loves Derrick Rose. They want him to come back. And you bring him in here, you infuse that energy of the crowd. People will be so happy about that. And Derrick is a prideful kid. He's going to come in here and he's going to play at a high level. And he he could give you that point guard right now until you know what the, the situation is with, you know, with Lonzo and then what's Kobe White's situation. Because Kobe White is going to, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, he's going to get that, I hope you don't get a poison pill where someone says, hey, yeah, we're right. offer this guy a lot of money and then say, if, see if the Bulls match it. Because I, I can see that happening. Yeah. And the Bulls are going to have a tough, you know, situation because, again, you have a young player that was brought up in your organization, guy that you've developed. You don't want to see Kobe White go somewhere else and then end up being an all-star somewhere else like we saw Lowry Markin and we saw what Wendell Carter Jr., Daniel Gafford, you know, guys who the Bulls have drafted who have they have moved, you know, to try to better the team. You know, you don't want to look back and see, you know, Kobe White right. averaging about 20 points a game somewhere and he's an all-star yeah. somewhere else. That, that would kill you. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk a lot about the Bulls throughout the spring and summer as we look ahead to the draft and free agency and as the playoffs progress. Uh, we're going to switch to Bears in just a minute. But before we do that, last thing I want to touch on with the Bulls before we take a quick break is Patrick Williams is always a flashpoint. People are like, how good can this 
kid be? He showed signs, especially late in the year. He was more aggressive and seeking out that dribble move, that mid-range jumper. We know he can shoot a pretty good percentage on the three. Where do you stand on Patrick Williams' future? Well, Mark, you always know me. I always like to compare players. Like, this guy reminds me of this guy or that guy. Patrick Williams reminds me of two players. He's in between both those guys, okay? So one is Jeff Green who's multi-talented, mm-hmm. can play multiple positions, can handle the ball, shoot it, defend, really quiet guy. When he came into this league from Georgetown and went to Oklahoma City, you know, everybody was talking about, oh, this guy is going to be a future all-star, and he's so talented. It, it never really panned out, but when he's he's really carved out a nice career as a guy that can come in and play multiple positions. He can, you know, back up your star players, and he's a big guy, six foot nine. He's, I mean, he's he's a big – look at Denver – Right now, he's playing really well for Denver. And then you got Kawhi Leonard. Okay, those that's where Patrick Williams is in between now. Somewhere in between. Somewhere yeah. in between. Is he is he Kawhi Leonard? No, he's not Kawhi Leonard. Not too many Kawhi Leonard. You can see Kawhi Leonard is basically one that is won, won that first game by himself without Paul George. Now he's basically going to be out tonight. Yeah, he's, he's sprained his uh, knee. Yeah, that's his bad knee. news. That's yeah. a bad night. He may be out for the rest of the series. But defensively, the Bulls have a 3 and D guy in Patrick Williams. Okay, now. We're expecting Patrick Williams to do this every single night. He's supposed to. The coaching staff has to implore him to do it every night. You've got to give him some plays. You got to say, hey, you know what, Pat? We're going to post you up tonight. You're going to have a mismatch. We're going to put you in the post. He's got a great post up game. He's worked with DeMar. He's got, he's kind of got a DeMar to Rosen mid range game, but he shoots the ball, the three ball better than, than DeMar. He's probably the Bulls, arguably the Bulls' best three point shooter behind Zach. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think he's even better than Vooch. So, so he's a three and D guy. But I think next year they got to let him handle the ball. They got to put the ball in his hands. He's got to be able to get the ball off the glass, initiate the offense, start the fast break. He needs to start playing downhill like he's LeBron James, uh, Luka Doncic. These guys like uh, Giannis, who you know these guys get the rebound who, and go. Yeah, these guys who overpower the defense because of their physical strength. You know, LeBron's like a freight train. You know, Giannis is like a freight train. Those guys get the ball. They don't care who's in front of them. Their body and their length is going to go right through you like your wet paper towel. Patrick Williams has that body, 6'9", you know, 230, 240. He's got a man's body. He can do those things. I mean, he I mean, how many times have you seen a guy dunk on people? Yeah. So, they got to they got to give more give him more opportunities next year. Yeah, and as we look ahead to next season, we know that our good friend Jeff Vukovic will be behind the Bulls, come thick or thin, and we're looking forward to great things in our partnership with Jeff. And so if you have some insurance needs for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance, our buddy, nationwide agent, Jeff Vukovic. You can reach him at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. And Stacey, people stop you on the street and ask you to sing, sing the jingle. Yeah, quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> Mark, quite a bit. I, I can be in a supermarket somewhere. That's yeah. so why I was like, Give me the jingle. Yeah, nationwide. Can you sing it? Can you yeah. sing it? So I said, No, you got to wait till you get to the podcast. That's all the yeah. time I'm singing it now. So nationwide is on your side. We're, look, we're looking forward to a big offseason ahead for the Bulls. And don't don't be misled by some of the things AK said that he, they like the core and they're going to try to bring guys back. What else is he going to say? He's going to play his cards close to the vest. I predict you're going to see some big moves from Arturis Karnischewicz this summer. Coming up next, we're going to talk about big moves ahead for the Chicago Bears. The NFL draft is just days away. We are going to be joined by my friend Dion Miller, who I work with at ABC7. She covers the Bears every day. She covered the Combine in Indianapolis. We'll get her thoughts on the NFL draft and a whole lot more when Gimme the Hot Sauce rolls on. 
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL Draft is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year operation. I know ever since the Bears season ended and they wound up with the number one pick, people are wondering, what are they going to do with the number one pick? Well, half of that uh, question has been answered, but the other half comes up in just about a week or so. The NFL Draft starts on Thursday, April 27th, and our special guest, Dion Miller, will be at Hallis Hall to cover all the proceedings. Dion, thank you so much for making time for us. I understand you had to fight traffic and and terrible weather to get here. We appreciate uh, you making the effort to join us. Look, this is such a treat for me, and I'm so honored that you guys asked me to join. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I am actually going to be in Kansas City oh, for the okay. first night of the draft, which I'm super jazzed about. And then um, and then I'll be at Hallis Hall next Friday to see what they do following that first round. It'll be interesting. I honestly, guys, I, I like that they, that they traded back. I get nervous when people say that they might trade back even further right. because we didn't lose. We didn't suffer through 10 straight losses to not get something great towards the top of the draft is how I feel like at home. I'm thinking nine even feels like it's a bit far away from where they, they need to be, but they just have so many holes that I feel like they, they can't miss whatever they do. I mean, hopefully they'll start in the trenches on both sides of the ball, but they, they have to get it right. They have to get it right. So what did your daughter need? I saw she scampered in to get something and then she scooted downstairs. She, brought, <laughs> she, she can't hear you. So she okay. brought me a charging cord because oh, we want to make go. sure that we have no, that we can relieve that part of the anxiety for me that I do have power to my Deanne's so busy. She's working all the time. She's got two beautiful children and she, I'm sure probably have to make dinner before you get out of here. Right. Oh, you guys, I walked through the door. Let me, this is just a peek into my life. Right. Like, so I walked through the door at like six Oh seven and Literally right now, two different meals are in the oven. There you go. The timer set. And I was just like, answer the bell when it rings. Like, take something out of the oven. I got to go. <laughs> I feel this you. is my life all the time. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. I mean, it's, it's being a parent. You know, so it's, one it of these, it's, it's one of the best jobs in the world. But it's, it's one of those jobs you get no credit Never for. Never ends, yeah. You get no <laughs> credit for. Never ends. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, they're like, how was your weekend? I was like, when did I have a weekend? Like exactly. nothing stopped. <laughs> it just like goes one thing into the next. But it is. It is the greatest job I have. It's my favorite. They are my favorite people in the world. Like it is awesome. I love being a mom. So that's awesome. anyway, nothing about the bears, but that's just real life. <laughs> that's real life. All right. Let's talk about the bears. You know, you, you talk about Justin Fields and it's like, you know, mm -hmm. you hear so many people that love Justin Fields. And then there's a lot of people saying there was a lot of talk of trading Justin Fields to get, you know, one of these new quarterbacks that are coming up, which I thought was a huge mistake because you've seen this kid has got, you know, franchise quarterback written all over him. Um, I, I just mm -hmm. think the bears need to build around him. And now that they've traded down, uh, to the ninth pick, you know, I, I think priority, as you say, the trenches. I, I really think it should be an offensive lineman that can play Correct. with the way they want to play, uh, build a line, protect this kid, give him an opportunity to succeed because he can already, he's already shown you the ability to play without a really good line and still be mm -hmm. productive and make things happen. You, you think the same thing? 
I absolutely agree with you. Now, I have to tell you, I am somewhat biased as a uh, a girl who openly wears scarlet and gray glasses. I love Ohio State. I've always loved Ohio State. And so when he, getting him to Chicago was so thrilling to me as like a Buckeye fan, I, I want him to be the guy. And I truly think that he is talking to some of my um, friends who are still reporters in Columbus and what they told me about his leadership ability and what he can do on and off the field. He has all of those intangibles. We are just seeing him kind of grow up. I don't know if you guys remember, like at the beginning of last season, he had a lot of, and I watch a lot of that, like body language at the podium when he's talking to the media. And he had some weeks where it was like very short answers and almost like he would have rather been anywhere but there. And then towards the end of the season, he kind of grew up recognizing that he needed to be a leader. So that leadership, that that um, that piece of the puzzle is there. I think his game grew tremendously last year. And I know everybody's worried about him being a pocket passer, but what he did as a runner last year was totally new to his game. That is not why he was drafted. He was drafted for his arm. Nobody knew he could do that on his feet. And so now I feel like that if they can give him the resources and they already have started doing that in, in, in the receiving core to help him kind of bring that college, his college arm into the pros, he's going to be that franchise guy. I don't think he has any choice but to be that. Now, the Bears moving around the draft the way that they did have set themselves up to have like a buffer, a plan for next year. They'll have two first-round picks. If for some reason that doesn't work out, they have an option, but they want him to be that guy. I, re- I truly believe that. I truly believe that they are trying to build around him because they like who he is and what he can bring to their game and, and run this offense in the second year with Luke Getze in a way that they want it to, the, the way it's supposed to be run as opposed to him just backing up and running for his life, which is what it felt like last year. So I agree. They need something to anchor that offensive line um, to, to make sure that they have a consistent front five in front of him. Matt Eberflew said at the, at the combine that all five positions on that O-line are still up for grabs. Well, that tells you how bad last year really was, yeah. right? I mean, is the fact that they're, they're still wondering how those pieces are going to fit together heading into this year. Um, they need to start there. And I would love to see them take Peter Skoronsky in that, in, at nine. I mean, a Northwestern kid, a local kid went to Maine South. I mean, that, that would just, I feel like energize the city to have someone local, but who can also do the job and do it well and, and see what, what they can do with that. I think that'd be a valuable pick for them. Where do you stand on the whole Jalen Carter thing? Obviously, the Bears had him in. They've done all the research. Of course, he was involved in that horrible car crash, the fatal crash where there was racing on the streets. And obviously, a a huge mistake in judgment there. And then he showed up for his pro day. He was out of shape. He couldn't complete the drills. A lot of red flags there. Do you think Ryan Poles is, is just doing his due diligence? Or do you think they would take him if he somehow slides to nine? What's a lot remarkable, not alarming, more remarkable to me is that his, his, his talent is, is next level, right? I mean, arguably some of the best in the draft and, and he had said just this week on real sports, he said that no team that he's talked to has really talked to him about that incident. At least that's what he said publicly. So how, how willing are teams, the bears to say, okay, we're going to put that aside and just recognize that what you bring to the football field is what we're going to draft you on. The the fear I have with with the Bears drafting a Jalen Carter is they don't have a veteran on defense that could kind of take him under his under their wing and and help him grow as a person because I think a lot of it is maturity, right? Like the talent is there, what to do with it, how to how to navigate when you aren't in a city that is obsessed with college football and like that is you're the pro team, right? Like how do you take that and become an adult? 
in that role and with that kind of fame and popularity in Chicago, you would need that. The Bears locker room doesn't have that. I think Ryan Poles is fully aware of that. So if he takes this risk, which it would be a risk, he would have to make sure that the pieces are there to help mentor this kid and help him grow up in the league and, and be a more mature person. I think that's what this, a lot of this boils down to any team that drafts Jalen Carter, if he's still there. Now, now I'm hearing you may not even be there. A lot of my yeah, he'll probably be going gone. earlier to Seattle. Like he'll probably be gone. But if he would be any team who takes him has to immediately do some damage control and make sure and assure their fan base that they did the research and they feel like what they're getting is isn't the the mistake that was made, but is a football player that can be there for a long time and can be like an anchor on a defense. That's that's what they have to make sure that they're doing. I I think that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, from what we know of them and their personalities and the character they're looking for in the locker room, I don't know that he fits into that. Yeah. And that's based on my limited knowledge. I obviously don't know this person. Everybody makes horrific mistakes in their lives. And, and I come from a place of grace and forgiveness for sure. But I just definitely, I, I think that for what they're trying to build and for Matt Eberflus to say at the end of last season, where the Bears won last year was in their culture and in their locker room to bring in someone with that kind of red flag or that kind of baggage, I don't. I think that would disrupt that. I really do, and I, I just don't see them going in that direction. Okay, so back to the offensive line because I, I think that's yeah. a priority. I think running back is a priority as well. Um, do you see the Bears going into free agency? There are some very good offensive linemen who've been released from teams. You know, you look at the the guy from. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Donovan Smith, who's rated one of the best left tackles uh, that's still out there as an unrestricted free agent. Do you see the do you see the Bears playing in that market, trying to get some veteran linemen to, you know, on the cheap per se uh, to build up that line, at least for the next two or three years? Why, you know, Justin Fields develops? Yes and no. I mean, part of me thinks they want to continue to have younger guys be in that be more on his timeline i don't know they they really like riley reef and maybe they're just speaking that into reality because they owe him so much money and he's he's there for a minute um but they seem to really like his leadership there obviously the lucas patrick experiment did not work because he couldn't stay healthy so i don't know if maybe they would be a tiny bit nervous about going that direction i do think that once they get through the draft and and however that lays out that june 1st timeline when teams have to either pick up the option or not is going to be a big one for the bears for other guys that are going to be out there still out there um, that they might be able to go that route. I wouldn't be surprised if they did just depending on how the draft shakes out. I, I want to, I want to believe that they will take offensive line first in the draft and start that way. I mean, polls has been very open about wanting to build through the draft. That's what he wants. And if you're going to support Justin Fields with that young talent, that's kind of closer to his timeline, now he's going to do that through the draft more than he is through some veterans that might be band-aids for a little bit, but I don't know if they could be there long-term. We've seen a lot of different uh, front office coach tandems come through Chicago. Uh, I know everyone was excited about Matt Nagy when he first arrived and they had the great season, the double doink. Everyone thought they were going to the Super Bowl that year. Now we've got Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Kevin Warren, the former Big Ten commissioner, is the new president. Are you confident, Dion, that this uh, trio can lead the Bears back to prominence in the NFC North? 
Okay, Mark, you know me well enough to know that my glass is always full and overflowing. So I believed in all, I believed in all <laughs> the coaches they brought in. I I drank the Bears Kool Aid so bad with <laughs> it's you guys. It's embarrassing. I mean, like Mark Tressman, John yeah. Fox. I was like, that's fine. They'll get it. They'll figure it out. And now after. A little while, I've just got more <clears throat> skeptical, I guess, and just kind of over it a little bit. I mean, I was so disappointed. I wanted Matt Nagy to be the guy so bad. And it was just, it became so stale after a while that you're like, this is just falling on deaf ears. I will say that we, we, I say we, I'm not in the building. The Bears have never had an executive like Kevin Warren. They've never had somebody that well-connected in the NFL. Uh, Jeff Joniak told us this week that when he was at the owners' meetings, he walked with Kevin Warren just through the lobby of the hotel. And I mean, he was like the mayor. He knew everyone. And, you know, he is he's well connected, but he also has a track record of getting things done. He's someone who comes in and says he will say things like, well, why are we doing it this way? And and after 30 plus years of Ted Phillips and George McCaskey being the ones in charge, a lot of times it's been like, well, we've always done it this way. Well, we know enough about the franchises in our city that sometimes change like that needs to happen from the top down. And I think Kevin Warren comes in and will make that change. But let's acknowledge the fact that the Bears have done this whole thing backwards. Usually you wait to draft the quarterback until you have the head coach in place. Well, they drafted the quarterback. They think it's going to be the guy. And then they hired a new head coach and a new GM. And then usually they have the new owner or the new president hire the GM. Well, that's now backwards too. So how will that all work together? I will say at this point, I have... I have faith in what Matt Eberflus is doing because I tangibly watched those players buy into what he was preaching. At first, I thought it was hokey. The whole hits principle, it was such coach speak. But that locker room, maybe it was because they were young. They bought in. They were into what he was saying and losing 10 straight games did not feel like I was covering a team that was on a 10-game losing streak. It didn't. There was a different energy in there. Maybe that was youth. But I also think it's because they believed in the direction of the head coach and the general manager and who were at that time, being as transparent as they could be. And Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles have a very good relationship already. If Kevin worries about the stadium and that side and allows Ryan to continue to build the team in a in a direction and vision that he seems to already have laid out, I think it can work. It, it would be nice to not have front office turnover in any capacity for a long time. I, I think a lot of the teams we see be successful consistently, it's because they don't make those changes every couple of years. Well, that's been the story of the Bears. I've only been in town for a dozen years. This is my fifth head coach. Like, that's outrageous, right. Wow. right? Like that's a lot. That's a lot. And there's uh, probably twice as many offensive coordinators in that time. Well, no wonder nothing's sticking. No wonder nothing's, they're not giving it enough time to stick or they're just putting the wrong pieces in place, right? So wouldn't it be nice? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to see the Bears in a year or so having to talk about having the highest paid player in the league? I mean, wouldn't that be cool if they had yeah. to roll out, like open the checkbook for Justin <clears throat> Fields and we're like, wow wow, the Bears are going to be relevant for a long time. Instead of looking at other teams and being like, wow, why can't we be like that? I just get tired of that. I get tired of it. Yeah, when you look at the NFC North, I mean, this is an opportunity, oh. especially if Green Bay, you know, loses Aaron Rodgers and they, you know, they start the kid love as your quarterback. Uh, Detroit surprised a lot of people last year, but mm -hmm. the NFC North is kind of open now that Aaron Rodgers is out of that league. Uh, it it is. the Bears, so so the Bears should be really encouraged by what they're seeing and and where they could possibly be in the next few years as being the dominant team of the N NFC North. What do you think about that? Oh, abs there is no question about that. I mean, I think that if this team 
in an, a wide open mediocre division. Let's just call it what it is. Without Aaron Rodgers, this is a mediocre division. Detroit scares me a little bit. I like that the way that they're being coached and the way that they're developing and how they're incrementally getting better at the right times. And it seems like everybody's in in Detroit. Detroit scares me a little bit. But this is a division that the Bears currently as they're constructed, even with as many holes as they have, if they truly have the right coaching staff in place and the right GM should compete in this division, hands down like that, that, and if they don't this year, then you have to start to wonder if they really have the right pieces in place. So I, I think that they, I think that they can, they, they should be able to, they should be excited about that kind of opportunity. They really should. And, and especially because green Bay is not going to be remotely the same. And uh, won't that be refreshing after a little <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, in addition to Deanne's great work at Channel 7, she's also a host at ESPN 1000. She has a show every Saturday with Peggy Kaczynski Big. called Peggy and Deanne. I don't know why you didn't get top billing in that. It should have been Deanne and I, you, know, I, I, you know, You know what? When they announced the name, I was like, it had to be her first, didn't it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't care. But I, really I also want to point out the fact that now ESPN 1000 is the home of the Chicago Bears, and they announced yeah. the big uh, lineup for the games this year, and you're going to be hosting pregame with Mark Silverman and Lance Briggs. Uh, tell us about that. And it's, it's really going to be exciting. I think to have, to have at an, an all sports station with the bears and, and you involved with the pregame show is going to be fantastic. And Peggy will be doing the postgame show. Yeah. Thanks. I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Now I've done the pregame the last couple of years with uh, Jeff Miller uh, when we weren't obviously the home of the bears, but to have a, a pregame with, the energy that Sylvie brings to everything, but then to have a player that even some young kids now know, know and remember Lance Briggs, right? Like he's kind of that bridge to uh, this younger generation of fans. And, and yet, you know, I, I covered him, right? So it's, it's, it brings a different dynamic. We all know he's got such a big personality and I think it'll be really fun to kind of set the tone for the day. And they, they really at ESPN 1000 want to bring the fans closer than they ever have to game day. I mean, at halftime, fans will be able to call in and tell us what they think about the first half of the game. That's never really happened, right? right. Like we're going to get the, we're going to get to have immediate reaction like that. And um, I think it'll be kind of nonstop action of the bears. We're not going to talk about what's going on around the league. We're going to really focus on this team and the fans that are obsessed with them. And that kind of is, is exciting this week when they brought us all together and we got to kind of hang out and feel the energy. I really did get excited. I really thought, well, wow, this is going to be fun to, Every week have, you know, like NFL is such a um, roller coaster of a season, but to every week have that platform to pick the brain of, of Lance and then have, you know, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer there to talk to us each week about the, the game and what's going on. I just, I'm really excited about the opportunity. And I think that fans will be excited too about changes and always easy, but I think they'll be excited about how it looks a little bit different and brings them a little bit closer to their favorite team. So I'm really pumped about it. Dion, talk a little bit about how you got into sports, you know, because there's not a lot of women that really know sports like you do. And tell our listeners how you got started. I mean, was this something that as a little girl is something that you wanted to do is cover sports or was there something else you wanted to do and you just kind of gravitated to sports? Oh, my gosh, Stacey, I wanted to be a teacher my whole life, I wanted to be a teacher. I used to put my brother, my little brother through school. I was a very strict <laughs> teacher. At home. That's all I wanted to do was, and I wanted to teach like junior high English because I love literature and that's what I went to school to do. And my sophomore year, I just, nothing about taking educational psychology classes was interesting to me. And so I started thinking about what I really loved and it was writing. So I ended up getting my degree in print journalism. 
Um, and then I took a TV class kind of on a whim and remember, can tell you right now what I was wearing that day in college. And it like changed my life. The red light on the camera went on and I thought, okay, if I can do this, that would be super cool. And I, um, didn't, I, I hadn't, didn't go to a communication school. I went to a tiny Christian liberal arts school in Western New York that no one's ever heard of. Like I, it was not, I went there cause they had a good teaching program. Right. So I did my internship after college learned more about TV there than I did anywhere else. And then, um, I had always talked about sports, love sports. Um, I grew up watching sports. My dad is a diehard sports fan. Um, we Sunday in NFL Sunday was a holiday in our home every single week. You know, you go to church and you watch football and I grew up a Browns fan, which is still a miserable existence. Um, and, <laughs> and, and a Cavs fan. And I mean, I grew up with all of that stuff in Ohio state fan. I was raised to be a a wholehearted Ohio state fan. And so I was already talking about sports and I'm a very emotional person and covering news in any capacity that is heavy. It would, would be really hard for me. It would just be really hard. I don't know how people don't take, sorry. Are you guys still there? Yeah, um, okay. I don't know how people don't take that home, that heaviness of, especially news in our city. Right. And so I, sports, I was already talking about, I was the only one in my college house watching sports center all the time. So it was something that I genuinely enjoyed. And once I learned that I could actually make a living talking about sports, I thought, well, this is something I have to try to do. And so I interned after college, I uh, got my first job in Billings, Montana, and then um, bounced around all over the country. Uh, and then when I was in Columbus, Ohio is the first time I got to, well, San Diego, I covered a little bit of pro sports, but I worked in Columbus, Ohio for five years and got to cover the Cavaliers. Um, I did, I always like to say, I preface it by saying I did two years before the first decision and then the miserable two years after the decision. <laughs> so I, I did pre and post game show for 26 straight losses. You guys, it was you guys know that I've is been so there. hard to do. I've been there. Yeah, oh, I've been there brutal. too. I've been there it's too. Brutal. Try to call it's a game. Bad. Try to call it's 82 bad. games and, oh, and you don't know if you're going to win. I know. You're putting lipstick on a pig like every <laughs> night. It's really rough. Um, so I was there and that's when I really like um, got to cover a lot of pro teams. And then we moved to, I got the opportunity in Chicago in uh, 2012 and came and worked at Fox 32 and then was blessed to move over to ABC seven almost nine years ago already. It's just, it's been remarkable. God has totally blessed my journey. I love the opportunities that I've had and it's been such a treat. I mean, a, a bad day at work is when it rains at Wrigley. Like what right. is my life? Yep. That's not real. Like what is <laughs> happening here? Like, and even, even walking into the United center, you guys, like I could pinch myself every single time and it, I can be there working. I can go as a fan and, and I just, it's, it's a gift. It's just a gift. And to see like ushers that I've known for a long time, you guys, I'm sure are the same way. Like it's just, it's, it's a unique city to cover sports in and it's a blessing to, to work at a place that values it and to be in a city that values it too. I just, I really, um, I'm, I'm grateful to be here, you know, to grateful to call Chicago home. Well, I'm grateful to be able to get a chance to work with you every now and again. And I know Thank all you. the viewers in Chicago just love to see your smiling face. And it's great that you're also <laughs> doing the work at ESPN 1000 as well. I don't know where you find the time. And before those uh, buzzers <laughs> go off and the fire alarms go off because your dinner's burning, we're going we're gonna to let you go to make sure you get your kids fed. And thank you so much, Deanne, for joining us. It was really a pleasure. What a treat, you guys. Thank you so much for having me, for real. I, it means a lot. Thanks. Dion, be ready. We're going to send you uh, some of my gourmet hot sauces. 
Yes. Good. And I, I love want that you, song. I want I you to I want you to song. give us your 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 assessment of them when we send them to you. So uh, they're I really will. good too. I just want to throw that out there. I don't like two bottle <laughs> horn, but they are very very delicious. <laughs> I don't doubt it one minute, and I cannot wait to try. So thank you so much. Thanks for coming on, Dion. Dion awesome. Miller, our thank special you. guest on episode one twenty six of Give Me the Hot Sauce. Wow. We are going to continue after a quick timeout. 126 of Give Me the Hot Sauce rolling on. And uh, Stacey Dion, one of the nicest people in the world. You know, she, it's amazing the schedule she keeps. You know, on, on Sunday, she does the Bears pregame show. And then she goes upstairs and, and anchors the 5 and 10 sports. So she's working all the time. It's crazy. i tell you what, she's she's one of the best in the business. Uh, you can just see, like, she enjoys her job. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of energy. That's that's what I like about it. Anytime you watch her on TV, she's yeah. got that that beaming smile. Right. The energy's there. No matter if the team won or lost, <laughs> She's and there's always, a lot of losses. There's a lot about. of losses. And she, uh, <laughs> we got to let the Sriracha girl there laughing. That's terrible. But she's hey, always, we're all suffering through yeah. Chicago sports right now. It's been hey, tough. Yeah, it's been tough, man. It's been tough. But she always brings energy. That's what you want to see. Yeah, absolutely. We promised we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. I don't know where you want to start. I mean, maybe first with the injuries. I mean, it's crazy. Some of the star players, John Morant, Giannis got hurt in the Miami series. Now Kawhi Leonard out with a sprained knee, you know, Teams are trying to wrap these guys up in bubble wrap, and it doesn't work because when you get in these high-pressure games, and immediately we're getting star players going out with injuries. I tell you what, man, it's it's drink some milk. Yeah. Just drink Something. milk. Just drink milk, man. This is, you know, some of the injuries are are unpreventable. You know, the the John Morant going up in the air, getting undercut, mm-hmm. falling on his wrist. That's that's unpredictable. Uh, Kawhi Leonard hurting his knee. Uh, maybe his knee's not 100%, but he looked really, really good since he's been back. They've amped up his minutes. Uh, he was playing close to 40 minutes a night right. with the Clippers. And then just a just a run, one bad step. Yeah. Now he may be out of the playoffs. Paul George is out of the playoffs. So their two best players are out of the playoffs. We don't know if Kawhi's going to be out. We don't know when Paul George is going to come back, but it doesn't look like Paul George is going to make this series. Not in that series, and no. Yeah, if he makes the next, if they win the, this series and gets the next one, he may come back. And the Bucks held Giannis out the last two weeks thinking well, we'll, get him. Him, we'll get him fresh for the playoffs. <laughs> they, they and then Kevin him. Love undercuts him. He lands on his tailbone. Yeah, you know what, though? I, I, listen, America. Listen, when you got a bad back, Mark, I'm sure you've had a bad back, yeah. okay? You want to just go lay down or somewhere. <laughs> right. You don't want to be standing up, yeah. walking around. And Giannis is standing around, giving, jumping up, you know, giving yeah. people high fives, jumping and banging bodies. Like, if your back hurts, you ain't doing that kind of stuff, yeah. okay? You, you go sit in the locker room, lay on the table, watch the game. You know, it, it amazes me. You know, he looked healthy when I saw him on the sideline. But, hey, I'm not a trainer. You know, I didn't sleep in a holiday inn, so I can't make that <laughs> assumption. But they're so deep and talented. They could beat Miami without him. And yeah. they did. They they whoo, that was a that was like taking, that, that was out, one man. of those things like taking behind the barnyard yeah. and uh, open a can of whoop ass because that's what they did. <laughs> uh we are recording our latest episode on a Thursday evening. Game three of the Sacramento Kings Golden State Warriors series is tonight, and Draymond Green is not playing because of a suspension. I was shocked that the league suspended him, knowing what dire situation Golden State is, your defending champion. Um 
It didn't surprise me. Really? He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a repeat offender. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of like stupid things that cost his team. Uh, he lives on the edge. You know, I, I think, had, you know, I honestly think had he not incited the crowd yeah, and, yeah. and not been stupid like that and saying, yeah, I did it, you know, you just implicated yourself. Had he just went to the sideline and just chilled and said, hey, look, I didn't try to do it. I didn't try to hurt the guy. Uh, Sabonis grabbed his leg. Clearly, you saw that. Um but to you know, like I said, had he not incited the crowd and been out there, you know, showboating, and S- Simonis really sold uh, the, the pain that uh, he was into. First of it all, was like WWE for a while there. First of all, Mark, he was being boxed out by Clay Thompson. Yeah. Then he just flops, and he he literally flops into Draymond Green's feet and his knees. That right there would have upset me because you know you you could take me out, you could tear my ACL up by yeah, falling yeah. like that. I would have been upset as a player like that. So I can understand if Draymond Green looked at that and was like, dude, what are you doing? You're getting boxed out by a guard and you're flopping at 260 pounds. You're one of the strongest guys out here and you're flopping and in people's knees. And then you're on the, on, and you have the audacity to grab my leg as I try to get over you. Now, had that not been Draymond Green, I don't think a person gets ejected. I don't think a person, he might've got ejected, but I don't think it gets suspended, but he's such a repeat offender. You know, you talk about hitting people in the groin, kicking people in the groin, Steven Adams, LeBron James, um, his, his record, uh, in the NBA, uh, basically says he does a lot of stuff on purpose. So I think his, his history has really hurt him. I think Sacramento wins that series. <sighs> There's something about Golden State right. playing at home <laughs> yeah. that says that this series, even without Draymond Green, is it's going to be a tough game to win without Draymond Green because he does so many things for them to yeah. win. The rebounding, the passing, getting guys open shots. Um, I, I just think it's going to be 2-2 going back to Sacramento. And you got to remember, now it becomes a three-game series. And Golden State's been terrible on the road. You're going to have to win a game in Sacramento, whether it's game five or game seven. Uh, Game five is the the pivotal game. If you can win game five, most likely you're going to win game six in in Golden State. So that's what they got to take care of tonight. They got to get Jonathan Kaminga playing well. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've got to make up for the loss of Draymond Green. You know, getting rid of Wiseman hurts them. You know, they don't have a lot of size. Um, you know, you got Wiggins back, so, you know, Wiggins may play a little stretch for him. Um, but they they got to plug that hole. Steph Curry's got to shoot better than he did. Um, you know, Klay Thompson has to shoot better than he did. When they're making shots, they're tough to beat. Some of the series look like they're total mismatches. Uh, Denver had to struggle to win game two, but they're probably going to take care of Minnesota very easily. Boston and Philadelphia have 2 nothing leads in their series. They're going to win those easily. The one series that, to me, that's really compelling is the Knicks and the Cavaliers. I mean, that's, that's two evenly matched teams and that one could go seven as well. Uh, yeah, I, I expect it. The Knicks did what they were supposed to do, win one game mm-hmm. on the road. That's the whole objective when you're a team that doesn't have home court advantage. Uh, you've got to try to you know get one of those two games at home, which they did. They got game one. Uh, but then we saw Cleveland come back and put it on them in game two. Um, you know, Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. You know, he's clearly a superstar. And when they get both him and, and Garland playing at a certain level, a high level, they're tough to beat, plus they're bigs. And uh, I I don't see the Knicks winning this series. I just don't. Yeah. Over in the West, I think now that Kawhi Leonard is out with the sprained knee, if he's going to miss 
multiple games. Phoenix will probably take control of that series. We mentioned Denver. The uh, Lakers-Grizzlies series all of a sudden got interesting. Even without John Morant, Memphis found a way to win game two. And how about Dylan Brooks saying, I'm okay with poking the bear, saying LeBron James is old. Unless he can put 40, I mean, I don't want to hear about it. Let me tell you something. This is when you, this is when you say the, the GOAT comparisons. You would never hear anybody say that about Michael Jordan. No Nobody, no not one player during that era would ever challenge. Even the superstar players would not challenge Michael Jordan like this. LeBron, and I love LeBron's game. Um, he's going to have to come out and make a statement against Dylan Brooks. He, he's going to have, and Anthony Davis is going to have to play better than what he played in that game too. Anthony Davis, as great as he is, disappears in big stretches of games. Like, mm -hmm. you know, anytime he gets hit, you just, oh my God, he's going to be out two weeks. You know, he's always getting hurt, whether it's getting hit in the face, getting hit in the arm. I can't feel my arm. You know, I mean, he's always getting hurt, but he's in order for them to win and beat, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies, their superstar, two superstar players are going to have to play well. Austin Reed's going to have to give him something. LeBron has to be on a statement mode this game. He has to, I, you're going to guard me. Dylan Brooks, I'm going to show you can't guard me. You, you're not on my level. I think he's going to open up a can of whoop ass. Yeah, he should. Hands. He should because, you know, you got this guy. You know what? Dylan Brooks is taking a page out of Lance Stevenson. Yeah, you know, exactly, Patrick yeah. Beverly. He's got that playbook. He's very annoying. You know, and the guy is not a bad basketball player, but his, his, play, his play on the Memphis Grizzlies is not that impactful. Where he's impactful, where he thinks he's impactful, is being a jerk. You know, just doing things, trying to get under guy's skin. And, you know, that could cost a, a team against, like, like LeBron James. LeBron James could come out here and go, you know what? If we lose, I'm going to get this dude 50 tonight. And he's not he's not a lockdown defender either. No, you know, you know he and is he's a low percentage shooter. He's an okay player. He's a good you know a solid starter in the NBA. But it's not like he's some superstar. All defensive player is going to lock down LeBron James. Well, and and the crazy thing about it was he got way too much attention uh, for that game. LeBron still had thirty, I think. So and played really well. It was just Anthony Davis not answering the bell. Game, yeah. So so you didn't like you stop LeBron James. LeBron James still killed you. Okay, but you know you you got you walking around sunglasses on. You know you got your shirt off and you got a jacket on. Sometimes <laughs> you're wearing Daisy Duke shorts. Uh, you know doing interviews like uh, Steve Austin. You know I mean come on man, just play the game. You yeah. know, a lot of these guys. You know they have to do these antics to be relevant. You know what I'm saying? So him talking trash, no one's talking about him if he's not talking trash. No one's even saying anything about his game because his game doesn't warrant you to talk about it. Yeah. But what you're talking about now, you know, on a, on a Monday or Tuesday, you're talking about what he did to LeBron James, you know? But if you look between the lines, you really didn't do anything to LeBron James. You didn't stop him. He still got 30. And LeBron's not a guy who's going to go out there and push the, the envelope and try to get 40 or 50. He's not that guy. Jordan is that guy. You talk trash to Jordan. If someone ever would have even had the audacity to talk trash to Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan would have destroyed that guy. That guy would have been out the league in a year or two. Last thing we want to talk about basketball. Did you see the photos of uh, Lowry Marketing reporting for duty? Got his head shaved, yeah, uh, the Finnish that. Army. I saw that. That's a stand-up dude. You know, hey, listen, you know, those guys living in these European countries, they have to do that. Giannis yeah. had to do it for the Greek uh, National uh, Army. These guys have to do that. That's part of the deal, you know. Um, so kudos to him. You know, here he is now, probably had the best season of his career, uh, turned into a superstar, you know, overnight, you know, um, in Utah. And there he is right there with the locks. He's, I, I think he doesn't he have said, those anymore. They're gone. Yeah, but he said he'll, <laughs> he'll have them back soon because he likes the curly hair. And I'm really glad to see Lowry playing well, man. He was one of my favorites 
opportunity is here. The finisher. Yeah. Uh, the kid is a great kid. He's a family oriented guy. He's got, you know, babies now and he's, he's really matured. Um, I just wish he would have been able to stay here and do the things that he's doing there because I think we could use him right now. How do you think his, his wife feels? He's playing NBA basketball for six months, and he goes, I'm going to Finland to be in the Army. You can take care of the kids now. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure they got him at a desk job. He's not out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's, not, I know. he's not out there in the hot sun walking with a but backpack. He's not, do, he's not doing any uh, child care either. No, anyway. he's not doing any child care. She's probably saying, I didn't sign on for this. But you know what? You keep making all that money, baby. I, I can pay for a nanny. <laughs> Well, what we like to close the show with is uh, give you some tips on maybe some good things you can watch on TV or in the movies. It's brought to you by our friends at Bigger's Mazda. It's the segment's called What Are We Watching? And Bigger's Mazda's sizzling new Elgin location at Randall Road is the biggest Mazda store in the state of Illinois. Bigger's is offering a bottle of Stacy's signature hot sauce with first test drives of new or pre-owned vehicles. It's your choice. Everything from the coolest SUVs to the stunning Miata. So join the fun at 2100 Randall Road in Elgin at Bigger's Mazda. Tell them uh, Timmy Whisper sent you and they'll probably escort you off the property. <laughs> no, that's his good friend, Jim Lecter. So he'll make sure to take good care of you. And so, Stacey, you got any recommendations? Uh, for the yes, Hulk? I just right. saw I just saw a movie with uh, Gerard Butler and uh, my man uh, Kotler from uh, he, he did. I think he was that uh, that uh, superhero Luke or something where he's a superhero. Um, but it was a great movie. It was uh, Butler was a uh, pilot and they were flying. There he is right there in a plane. OK, they were flying, trying to heat the, the, the black guy's a prisoner. So they're flying him to to a prison in another country and the plane goes down and, and, you know, then they both had to rely on each other to, to right. survive. Uh, they were fighting against, um, some terrorists, you know, they landed on the Island, uh, with some, uh, insurgents and they had, and they kidnapped, they wanted to hold, uh, withhold all the Americans because they could hold them for ransom. So they killed, they, they went there and asking everybody, are you American? Where, where, you know, where are you from? And then, you know, after about the second person, you know, when they said, I, you know, I was from, you know, China and they shot him. That's when I would have known to say I was from American. Even if I, <laughs> even if I didn't speak language, I've been, uh, New York city, New York city. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was a great movie. Uh, at the end it was a little cheesy because they had 50 miles. They had to fly this cr uh, jet hood, which had crashed and they had to get off the island and the jet supposedly wasn't going to be able to fly. They had no, no mechanical things. They were just flying naked. They get off and uh, he gets it off the ground. They're supposed to fly 50 miles and it probably took two seconds to get from one part of the island to another. Right, right. 50, it was the shortest 50 miles I'd ever seen <laughs> in my life. They literally got up in the air and then they landed. The magic like, of film I'm editing. Like, oh. And then the big, the biggest thing, Mark, is, see that guy right there, the guy, the black guy? Yeah. He didn't die. Wow. They didn't yeah. kill the black guy. Every <laughs> every movie, the black guy, the hero, is always the first to go. So I commend the plane. They yeah. allowed him to be to, to the very end. They still didn't kill him. And I, I shout out to them. I think Gerard Butler probably made that happen. But, uh, yeah, that was awesome. So did you finish uh, Beef? You were telling us about that oh, last week. No, Did you no, no I'm Mark, sure. I, I got I to gotta go to that, man. I got to right. finish that. But Beef is still good, though. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, if you're looking for something, Netflix has got so much good stuff right now. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. If Hula, there's a lot of stuff on yeah. Hula and all that stuff. If you're looking for something funny that's really light, half-hour episodes, Unstable with Rob Lowe. It's a, it's a comedy. He's a guy that's uh, a world-renowned scientist uh, trying to save the world with uh, you know these green initiatives. But he's a little bit 
unstable, as the title suggests. So uh, he's got a crazy crew of people working with him. It's fun. It's a half hour. And every now and again, you know, we get tired of watching all these serious shows and yeah. killing and death and stuff. So take check it out. It's only eight episodes. You can get through it in one night if you want to. So yeah. that, that, that's my recommendation. I And I started watching the last season of, of Barry on HBO, you know, with Bill Hader. Yeah. Where, where he's, where he's, you know, he's uh, from Oklahoma. Was that right? Yeah, he's from Oklahoma. And and it's this last season is going to be dark. I just watched the first episode. Man, oh man. <laughs> I mean, Bill Hader has gone from a guy Saturday Night Live doing all these crazy characters. That's one of the most serious roles that anybody's ever had. Yeah. And he is he's taking his lumps and he got got beat to hell in the first episode. Yeah, I, I took a recommendation from Tim, you know, to watch uh Debbie Does Dallas. And um Oh yeah. It was I thought it was a regular show. Yeah. I didn't know. Just thought it was a regular I show. It was huh? a regular show. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know, Mark. And I'd never heard of it. And what are the odds that Tim would recommend something oh, well, like that? Well, because he's a freak like that. He's a freak. <laughs> and America, let me tell you something. It is a classic. I think it's like 19 or late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah, she... Oh. She did it, huh? <laughs> she did Dallas. I'll tell you right now. I, I, if you're a children, don't yeah, don't go don't, see that. Don't, don't go look see for that. that. Yeah. Don't listen to whispers, man. Don't listen to whispers. Just like whispers. Uh, I'll tell you another movie. Um, that's a real dark movie is Winnie the Pooh. What? There's a Winnie the Pooh. Did you see it, Francisco? Okay, so they got they got a, a horror movie with Winnie the Pooh with a oh, little man. pig. Don't don't do that. Oh man, they oh man. It ain't no joke, boy. Winnie yeah. Pooh ain't no joke. <laughs> Winnie, Winnie Pooh ain't the Winnie Pooh like, yeah. No, no. This Winnie the Pooh is dark. He's, he's not, he's not sticking his fingers in no, the honey jar. No, he's he looking said, for no, something no, a lot stronger. No, no, he's cutting people's heads off. Check out Winnie the Pooh. Oh, there's Check. a recommendation for you. Check out Winnie the Pooh. Make Woo. sure all the parents out there use your parental controls this on the TV. Not Don't your, not send the children this, no looking this is for not Winnie, your Winnie the Pooh. parents, Winnie the Pooh, uh, America. This is a horror flick. Uh, and then there's a new movie out, you know, because I got Netflix. Uh, not Netflix, but I got uh, Fire Stick. So there's yeah. a new movie out that's going to be in the theaters. Um, uh, with the with the demon movie with the the mom. Oh, I saw the trailer for that. The trailer yeah. for that. Yeah, what looks, is that, that called? Scary uh, as hell. Living Dead or something. What is it called? No, no, no. It's something. Y'all else. haven't seen it. Yeah, that looks pretty terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mark, the previews were scary. I know. I was like, I oh, Lord, I don't think I'm yeah. going to this game. Yeah. A lot of times I'd be at home, you know, I hear noise in my house. And I'm like, hey, if I see that movie, oh, baby, I don't know what I'll do. That, that Yeah, it was, it was kind of creepy, kind of creepy. Well, on that note, I think it's time to bring that 126 to a close, but we have to make sure that we thank our friends at Windy City Limousine. Uh, your guy Mike back yet? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Mike is out, man. Come on, Mike. I need you back. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Last week, I got drove. I got driven to the, to the show. Mark, I didn't think I was going to make it. I, yeah. thought, I thought I was going to crash five or six times. Whew, man, I'm, I'm just happy to be here, man. Yeah. I told the guy, I said, hey, man, I'm just going to catch an Uber back home. Thanks. <laughs> uh, thanks, Minnesota. I'm just going to catch an Uber back home. But yeah, it was, a, it was a terrifying drive. But I got a new driver today. Shout out to my man, Stan. He's not listening to it. Yeah. He's from Bulgaria. Uh, he's a Bulgarian wrestling arm wrestling champion. So he, he doesn't have the body, you know, the bodyguard skills, but he can't arm wrestle. Can rip your this arm off. It's been an interesting conversation on the way here. Hey man, he's really he's a cool dude. Yeah. You know, he talked about talk about ripping off people's arms and stuff. You know, so <laughs> I felt really comfortable with him driving. If I need him to, you know, protect me, he's you know, rip your arm off. See you in the Winnie the Pooh movie. Listen, you all think <laughs> you joking about that Winnie the Pooh movie? That Winnie the Pooh movie is scary. <laughs> 
Okay. Enough about Wendy Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> and Tigger too. <laughs> Wendy City Limousine provides a championship service. <laughs> Making a reservation is so easy, it's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time. Contact Wendy at 847-916-9300. That's 847-916-9300. Or visit us online at WendyCityLimos.com. And for all your hot sauce needs, make sure to check out GiveMeTheHotSauce.com. Our guy, Timmy Whispers, <laughs> will <laughs> make sure he packs that sauce with love and He's send it out your it. way. He loves Absolutely. the And coming soon to your local Jewel Osco. Where Very Tim, soon. Timmy's going to set up the displays. Yes. Hey, does Eeyore uh, buy it in the Winnie the Pooh thing? Or is he like a henchman or... Listen, all the little characters. Piglet. They're, they're all in it? They're all in it. Piglet. They're all wheeling knives. Yes. Christopher, Christopher he, he, uh, Robin. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. bad. He, Christopher, he's bad. Christopher yeah. Robin is not bad. He he took them in. And, you know, that just like the regular story. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he took them in and then Christopher Robin's left them. Was his last and, mistake. Yeah. And so they had to survive <laughs> on their own. They had to like, they had to kill for food. <laughs> they were left by themselves and they turned evil. Oh, oh you got to watch no. it, man. Hey, Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh, uh, America. Lovely uh, little covey, yeah. all stuffed yeah. with fluff. No. He's Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh got an axe. <laughs> cutting off heads. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay? And when, you know, when he's hiding in the dark, he's hiding in the dark. And then, you know, I like when the lightning the lightning strikes, it boosh. And then you see his, his figure in the door with an axe. I'm like, okay, I can't watch this, man. I'm sorry. Oh, when I, no. My childhood days of Winnie the Pooh, oh, this no. ain't my childhood day right now, baby. So, <laughs> so all kinds of recommendations from Stacy on what are we watching? Boy, we've, we've run the gamut on that one. <laughs> want to thank the Sriracha crew. want to thank our special guest, Dion Miller. And we'll come at you with a new show next Thursday. So now that the season's over, we're going to uh, settle into routine until we switch to Mondays, which we've been talking about. Right? We may switch to Mondays. We're but we'll we'll about keep it. you advised. We'll keep you advised. Yeah. Whatever, you're going to get a show every week. There you go. So, you know, we're, when you think it's over, you know, all of my people on uh, Instagram, I was on Instagram Live today talking to, you know, Bulls Nation. Right. And they're so excited that we're doing our podcast all summer long because they can't get enough of yours truly. There you go. And you and Timmy Whispers. And the Sriracha crew and Winnie the Pooh talk. <laughs> so make sure you like and subscribe. We want to build up those YouTube followers. I want to thank everybody that was watching the live show and participating in the chat. And a brand new episode coming your way again next Thursday. Stacy, got any uh, final message for the folks? Uh, Bulls Nation, drive home safely. That's all I can tell you right now. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's hot in here. It is, it is yeah, hot. It's hot, it's hot as hell in here right now. And I need to get some fresh air. Bring us home, LL Cool J. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's only preseason, but I'm hyped, he'll fuck. Jimmy J. Buckets, Jets Buckets. Oh my goodness, give me the hot sauce, he'll fuck. Give me the hot sauce. What are you doing, Dragons? Did you not get the memo? Derrick Rose can go upstairs. Let me step back and kiss myself in oh my the Assassin does it again. Big time.